All right, brothers and sisters, you guys are listening to the Attitude Era podcast. One of the best shows you will ever be able to check out. This is your boy, Ahmed Johnson from the WWF, telling you, check it out before I knock you out. I'm out of here. Hello everyone, you're listening to the Attitude Era podcast, and it's a bonus episode outside of the main timeline. We're going to be doing a few of these. Uh, first of all, we'd be remiss not to mention Adam, the gentleman whose soulful sounds you just heard introducing this episode. It was only Ahmed Johnson. Good mates of Ahmed, yeah, who we were hanging out the other day. Our Ahmed. Yeah, do you fancy recording a little promo for us? He's like, guys, you don't even have to ask. I tell, you, I tell you what, I was down Pearl River. I took a plunge. I went down to Pearl River. <laughs> um... We're going to try and get more um, out of... Well, he's not really attitude, Harry. He's <laughs> just some guy, really. We're, we're going to try and get more, guys. But thanks a lot, Ahmed Johnson. Anywho, as I'm saying, bonus episode uh, taking place here. We did a bonus episode before, and the audio got completely messed up and corrupted. Much yeah. in the same way, I Nero, probably... Nero, who doesn't know how to wrestle or box. <laughs> just not told but... that he was an, was an amateur boxer and a professional wrestler. He's neither. <laughs> Basically, Mark Nero is, Nero is just a man. From what we've been told, it's not salvageable. It was the Brawl for All episode. Yeah, it was the Brawl for All, but, and it's a shame that it's gone, but at least the guys don't have to listen to us being miserable, because that's what we pretty much were for the entirety of that episode. I, and Trevor there was like, hey, just re-record it. Seriously, like, Brawl for All. We're what? not watching that again. Two and a half hours of it, like. Done with that. Uh, also, I suppose I should note the man sitting to my uh, right. Uh, I'm Kevin Mahan, by the way, in case you, you don't know. A uh, man sitting to my right who's going to join me on this uh, special bonus edition. It's Mr. Adam Biblo. Uh, good morning to you, sir. Hello there. Uh, no Billy this time. No Billy, no. We've, uh... Spared him? <laughs> I was going to say sacked him, but yeah, spared is a, a better way to put it. B- Billy doesn't have to put up with what we had to watch, which is, Kevin? Uh, mayhem in Manchester. Mayhem in Manchester, of course, from April 98. Was it just after WrestleMania? Literally a few days. Uh, like, four days after WrestleMania, this 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 came to be. And I went and I did a little bit of research to try to figure out how this, this show came to be. Because it's a very weird one. It wasn't a pay-per-view. Uh, but it was released on video. Yeah. Uh, and what had happened was uh, B Sky B, uh, you know, who owns Sky Sports and all that, mm. and uh, they own Rupert Murdoch and all that. <laughs> uh, what had happened was they they had just apparently inked the, the new deal for for with WWF, which meant that you're going to get Raw every week on Sky Sports. This is like ni- early '98. Yeah. You get Raw every week. And you get all twelve pay per views. Uh, they're all going to be broadcast live uh, for free. So basically, it was like, you're going to get all the WWF now. Sweet. Yeah, it was sweet. And part of the deal, apparently, going back, was that they were going to do a big pay-per-view in, in England. They had done one re- uh, not not too far back, which was called One Night Only. So yeah, the, the idea was that this is going to be a big, you know, nice British-based pay-per-view. You know, get get the new fan base kind of going, amped up for the Attitude Era. Basically, the, the deal fell through, and the pay-per-view was, wasn't going to happen. So, basically, what they had was the Manchester Evening News Arena, which had been advertised for months in advance, and it was sold out, but no pay-per-view deal. So, the entire crew went over, 30 wrestlers went over, for one show. Wow. 
So just a show, just one, well. not just a tour, a regular show, just one show. So Mayhem in Manchester eventually was then uh, it was recorded in an odd manner and released on VHS, which is what we're going to uh, review now. Well, the thing is, I remember from like things like Rebellion and Insurrection, all the English pay per views. Like you know, they never nothing big ever happens. No titles change hands. There's no storyline developments, but they're always fun. Like they have nice matches at least. Because and- people were honest quite a lot to review them. I, I when we started this, I was like, oh, there's no way we're going to do those because nothing happens at them. But it was like, oh. Oh no, rebellion, insurrection! I have good yeah. memories of those. I mean, I suppose uh, you know, nothing ever big really did happen on them, though, did it? I mean, no, nothing big happened, but it was still fun to watch. And these were decent know, matches, exactly. Well. Yeah, they were, they were good matches, and it was entertaining. And you know, the crowd was always good because it was in England. However, this ain't rebellion or insurrection. This is something completely different, and I'm not even sure this is officially made by WWF. <laughs> this looks like a bootleg. This is mayhem in Manchester, Manchester, England. The normally busy downtown area has taken on added mayhem as the World Wrestling Federation has brought its attitude to town. Celebrated WWF superstars prepare for the night's event and look to continue a legacy of greatness that the British fans have come to expect. SummerSlam 1991. A sold-out Wembley Stadium in London witnesses one of the greatest nights in World Wrestling Federation history as more than 90,000 fans cheer one spectacular match after another. The summer of 1997, for one night only, Birmingham, England explodes with excitement as the WWF becomes the hottest ticket in town. Once again, the action whips the British crowd into frenzy. Set up for the ride. Once again, let's see what dude knows. Did you see the elbow striking the butt of the jaw? Did I ever? And so did Hunter. Then in the spring of 1998, a new attitude makes its way to England. The much anticipated event lived up to its billing. So if you didn't have a ticket that night, Get ready to sit in and enjoy one of the greatest nights in WWF history. Uh, first bit I liked was the fact that we got the old school WWF uh, Silver Vision logo oh, yeah. at the start. This is amazing, amazing, <laughs> amazing. You TV guys always got the cameras where you don't belong. This is amazing, amazing, amazing. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, I like that before it, they got the kind of cybernetic Silver Vision logo that slots into place slowly at the start. <laughs> this was a lot more fun. We get the Super Bowl ad as well at the start. You know the Super Bowl ad that they did? You know, the, the, oh, attitude, the, the attitude get it attitude one. one yeah. I fucking love that. Amazing advert, it's, yeah. It's hilarious. It's weird. It's like so not WWF because it was like kind of, they were so aware of how they were perceived. Yeah. Most people have the wrong impression about the World Wrestling Federation. We're a non-violent form of entertainment. We never use sex to enhance our image. As athletes, we understand the importance of being positive role models. We're good wholesome family entertainment. We're trying to make the world a better place for mankind. WWF Attitude. Get it? It really played off. It's crazy the difference nowadays when you look at just that one advert alone. 
kind of sums up the huge gulf between the Attitude Era and Well, if they were to do an advert like that now for the Super Bowl, they probably mentioned the troops a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> also, note, you'll notice as soon as the show kicks off, it is the last show to use the old-timey square WWF logo. However, I'm very strongly led to believe it was because it was what was to hand. The, I, I really think it's just because it was lying around. <laughs> the effort was not yeah. there for this show. We got a lame-ass opening video as well. Oh, the music. I mean, immediately, straight off the bat, you can tell it's a lower class of pay-per-view. You don't get any Freddie Blassie. You don't no. get any sort of big orchestra music. You get this Vincent, circus music, essentially. Vincent Van does even repeat his voice. And Michael Cole. Michael Cole and circus music. Uh, Mickey, I'm not excited about this. Mickey C runs down the history of WWF having pay-per-views in uh, yeah, shows. All, all two of them before this. I don't know. Yeah, but it's like... First of all, he has absolutely no passion in his voice whatsoever. <laughs> no. Like he's like he's like he's reading off a cue card like he's just been given. And like the level the lack of detail in this is is astounding. Michael Cole takes us all back to uh, remember that historic night in uh, you know summer 1991 when SummerSlam yeah. wasn't in Wembley fucking idiots. <laughs> Wembley Stadium 1992 there's like one date which the British wrestling fans hold to heart it's that and they fucked it up they got it wrong how could you get it wrong well they'll be getting many things wrong tonight as we'll find out we were informed by Michael Cole that on that night they were cheering for all the matches not Bret Hart though because he's not really you know, on up on board at the moment <laughs> they, they're, they're like they make out like it was this great spectacle show that everyone wanted to see <laughs> a really grim stock footage of, of of being shown around like the, the the town like oh yeah just seriously like last minute film it in five minutes kind of footage we need something to put on the start of the video cassette that's literally all this is shots including miserable looking families in raincoats like a car park sign <laughs> it's <laughs> like the opening of the the UK version of the office you <laughs> yes. can see around slough. <laughs> We get a recap of One Night Only, which is the big Birmingham show they'd done a few years before, and they're like, One Night Only was an amazing night in the history of the WWF, and it just shows one move, and it's a, a botched Hurricane Rana. <laughs> yeah, it drops him right on his head. Yeah, it? its own heart's just messing up Hurricane Rana. It's like, <laughs> who'll forget that night? And then they do this thing. They, oh, what's to come. What's yeah. to come? What you going? The, or the video is an hour long, folks. It's cut to shit. And they go, it's a highlights package. It's a highlights package. We should say right now, it is a highlights package, essentially. In, in, in times, they show a lot lengthy sequences. Other times, yeah, they cut it to crap. But it's still heavily edited. But, but in, the, in the opening video that Michael Cole is narrating, he, he actually... They show us footage of the matches that are taking place on that night. Well, not just footage. They show us an ending of one of the matches. They give like, away the finish. They show they? the New Age Outlaws winning by disqualification. So, uh, yeah, you find out as soon as we find out early on. Uh, that match coming up later on, New Age Outlaws and LOD. Uh, end of the DQ. Believe it or not, yeah. They did that as well, TNA, when they did. They were doing those one-night-only pay-per-views uh, now, and they had one that was called, like, Duke's Wild or whatever. Oh, is that the one where they sw- switched up all the teams? Yeah, yeah, and they were like, you know, you will not believe what you're going to see tonight. And then, like, they just flashed all the teams that were going to be showing fuck's up. Sake. And then for the rest of the night, you got everyone looking surprised when they find out who their partner is. Like, Seriously, though, you're fucking giving away a DQ finish in the first five minutes of the fucking video. Yeah. This is so stupid. They also interview some of the mouth breathers who have queued up to see the show. <laughs> I'm not I'm I'm not one to judge on personal appearance or hygiene or anything, but late nineties Manchester wrestling fans don't think they could do a wash. Yeah, a bloody good wash of scrub. It's going to be a mayhem in Manchester tonight. Most definitely is a definite. Anyway, we start off Mayhem Manchester, we get that logo. 
that logo that they have for that hideous logo it's like Resident Evil or something yeah knocked up in Microsoft Paint I think and we get the uh, our commentating team for the night two guys who are doing a miraculously poor job of pretending to be there Mm. it's Mickey C and K Squared Uh, K Kelly the K Factor Kevin, Kevin Kelly Kevin Kelly seriously what's he doing on it if Kevin Kelly and Kelly Kelly got married would their children be called Kevin Kevin no it'd be Kevin Kelly Kelly I think let's get on to the actual match onto the match and, and an opener <laughs> oh what an opener it is <laughs> and it's a doozy uh, no Tennessee Lee because obviously they, they weren't they weren't bringing over the top tier talent oh no yeah even though Tennessee Lee is a central character to all the storylines it's Double J taking on the European sensation it's Brackus my name is Brackus and I come from Deutschland my Gewicht is 300 pfund and when I go to America to the World Wrestling Federation come and Vader in the ring kriege werde ich ihn zerstören now I was sad because we did the Brofile episode which has been lost to technical difficulties but we got to see a bit of Brackus there and we had a chat about Brackus. the only Brackus. time we talked about Brackus wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it was one of his only two appearances on WWF TV so uh, <laughs> you know funny story about Brackus before we get into him I just found out uh, today doing a little bit of research apparently legend has it that in the Brawl for All tournament Brackus thought that it was a work so he got all <laughs> confused <laughs> he went in there <laughs> idiot he went in the corner he's up there bro <laughs> dude he's in me with those left and right <laughs> so yeah the, I think the idea here is that Brackus is meant to be they're like oh you know Europe, he's he was European. European favourite wasn't he they said yeah because I, I mean again I could probably say as an Irishman I looking in from a, from a distance the English and Germans you, you don't, wouldn't naturally root for a German athlete in a well, contest to be honest the Abracus is about the closest thing we had to the British Bulldog at this time <laughs> so I can understand the English fans going nuts for him really Brackus comes out with, he's got his got his chains on he's like uh, he's kind of Scott Steiner I on oh, okay I'll level with you right now I'm going to come clean straight off the bat here this first match I don't remember any of because I was so distracted just I, I want to talk about brackets. this just want to talk about this now to get it out of the way with I was completely distracted throughout this, the entirety of this match by the sheer like presentation of mm. this video I suppose yeah it's the first time we actually get to see how they're going to present the show yeah so now's the time to bring it up yeah. um, if you've ever seen shitty footage from a CZW show on YouTube <laughs> This is worse than that. This is absolutely abysmal. What it reminds me most of was uh, ECW back in the day. They used to do fan cam footage and they would have like their kind of their street team or their super fans or whatever. And they used to give them camcorders and they'd give them free ticket to the show mm. or whatever. And they would record everything. And then they'd sell them through ORF video. And it was like a business that kind of kept them afloat. Yeah. So if you're the super fan, you could find every house show. And you would forgive it because it was, you know, handheld camcorder. Fine. And it only for the super fan. But this is meant to be... It was an official one point, release. It's an official VHS release, all right? You know, people did pay actual fucking money to see this. Yep. And it was going to be a pay-per-view at one point. And you've got, like... The camera is always zoomed in on the most... Like, on the back of someone's elbow. Or on, yeah. the, on behind the turnbuckle. It's all or, yellow and too dark. Because the contrast and the white balance haven't been set properly. I know. The it was angles a, it, are all over the place. Like, the, the main angle you get for most of the night is a dude at ringside, like, in the lower corner. Mm. So you can barely see any of the it's lit, going on. It's lit like a boxing ring as well. Yeah, the crowd. really badly. You can't see the crowd. And also even things as well. Little things like the fact there's no, there's no rampway. It's just the, the concrete. Just the floor. Just like, the floor. They could, if they couldn't have had a ring there they probably wouldn't have brought it like you know they they literally were cutting every corner imaginable I'm going to go out on a limb here and just say that they left the WWF production team at home and got some cheap dudes in England to do this or something because again yeah I think you're you're right because you see um, throughout the night you see kind of officials at ringside and you see even the referees 
they're not WWF guys. No, they're just random people. They're just random people. And I mean, people hate... Kevin Dunn, he's the uh, director for uh, WWF. And people hate on him a lot because he's you kind of... He's the guy who hates wrestling, who's kind of in charge of directing right. wrestling. You know, go on, so on and so forth. But I don't think anyone can ever argue that WWF programming is always directed like fucking amazingly. Oh, yeah. And if anything, they're always they're going to be in a problem that in a few years they've had the same crew for so long. When they all retire. Yeah, you need to. They're fucked. Yeah, but it's, it's to do live TV and live pay-per-views and cut them and shoot them the way they do, it's amazing. None of that is here. It's obvious it's not their, their no, crew it's doing it. No, it's terrible. It's definitely someone else. So yeah, because of that, I didn't pay any attention to Double J versus Brackus. I'm sure I didn't miss much. You didn't, because they, they, again, we get the, the harsh editing in, in the in the undercard matches in this. You literally get like the guys come out to the ring with Michael Cole narrating over it, mm. pretending to be there. <laughs> no, there's no announcer's <laughs> desk at ringside. Yeah. There's no room for Where's it. he meant to be, exactly? He's up in the crow's nest with Kevin Kelly. Like Basically, it gets cut to like two or three minutes. Brackus is meant to be this like super powerhouse. He is sloppy as fuck. Google a picture of Brackus. He's a big roidy motherfucker. <laughs> Seriously, he he did a little stint in ECW as part of a talent exchange. He, yeah. he wrestled Taz, and the crowd just chanted steroids the whole time. The World Wrestling Federation's Brackus. Look at the size of that monster. Brackus accompanied to the ring by Mr. Wright himself. Carrying the flag of the World Wrestling Federation. The dude he literally looks like he's about to explode. He looks like a leather handbag with veins on it. Oh, Jesus. Uh, and he can wrestle about, about as good as said handbag. Um, and very strangely in this match, you know, a little bit back and forth, Brackus hits a couple of those awful, you know, those clotheslines I tell you about, the ones where the guy kind of slowly topples afterwards. Oh, yeah. uh, and then Double J just locks in the figure four leg lock and Brackus taps out. Okay, some monster he is then, I guess. Come out, like, rah, tapping Ooh, out. don't hurt me. Ooh, that's sore. And I'm happy to say it's the first time on the podcast that Double J has made someone submit with his signature move, which is well the figure done, four Double leg. Well done, Double J, yeah. Well done, Double J. Of course, because of the heavy editing and me being distracted, I don't know about you, but I didn't catch any Glargé sleeper holes in this match. Whoa, God! No, uh, Brackus, obviously, very easy to overcome. You know those those monsters that WF always have? The ones that can be beaten really The ones easy. that topple over. Uh, one thing we should know is that the actually though for for most of the night they are quite hot they are making you can tell they're making noise but the audio quality is quite bad so yeah. you can't really it tell but you'd expect the crowd to be good anyway because it's in England and WWF you know they hadn't been over to England for a while so yeah and they're all hyped up because like you say they thought it was going to be a pay-per-view they thought you know this is going to be amazing and so they thought least, it was going to be. They're giving it their all. They're doing their part at least. They thought it was going to be amazing, amazing, amazing. amazing. <laughs> also, a quick note as well: the referee looks like a pub landlord. Oh yeah, completely. And after, Who is he? <laughs> you know, after the match, he's going to give Double J a pint of ten and say, <laughs> "Ham and cheese toasty for doing it by submission." All right, now coming up next is a match with some uh, bizarreness written around it. Back of the VHS cover said clearly that this was meant to be a strap match. Right. Did it? Yes. Really? Yes. Okay, you say so. The DOA, the Disciples of the Apocalypse, who come out with no bikes, by the way. Oh, come on, like they're going to have bikes. They can fucking barely light the arena. It's Where their... are they going to get bikes from? From anywhere. <laughs> it's nah. their... That's all they... Without, literally, without bikes, they are nothing. Mate, it's DOA. Do you think they're going to spare the money? This is obviously like the most low-budget show they've ever put on. They're going to spare the money to actually uh, bikes. Those custom-made tatten backs, the DOA uh, like to use. And they're taking on the Godwins. This is obviously before the Godwins had uh, 
become the uh, Southern Justice tag team we're used to now. They were kind of wallowing in obscurity, still holding on to that mid-90s gimmick that didn't really work. Back of the VHS box says, Strap Match. Right. Information online, official match card, that was, you know, for people who were going to, you know, be going to it, that was yeah. posted in papers and stuff. It said it was going to be, and I quote, a country whipping match. A country whipping match. Yeah, whipping, with no G. Oh, sorry, whipping. Whipping. Right. Country whipping. Now, what is odd about this is that it's just a tag team match for a start off. First of all, no one is connected with, with any sort of strap. No, uh, there's no inkling of that. And thank God, because whoever called that audible it was smart, because you're going to put Ron and Don Harris and you know what, give them fucking cords hanging off, and they're just going to get. Yeah. You just imagine Someone's going to get hurt. The match starts, and the two of them are all like, tied up in the corner. <laughs> oh, shit. Call the match off. <laughs> but yeah, at one point in the match, one of them does take out what seems to be like a very small it looks like an insole you'd have on a shoe like <laughs> and he kind of bops me but the thing is they do it behind the referee's back all the time so I thought it was just like a foreign object that they had taken right. out or one of their actual belts okay but no this match was meant to be a country whipping that's match that's meant to be part of the gimmick of the match then that yeah. little shitty that little thing, floppy that... thing that they had fuck's sake this is really rubbish isn't it I mean seriously but I mean you know, we mentioned the harsh editing before but here it just gets completely ridiculous you've got things like one of the DOA does a sunset flip and then it goes one it, two and then cuts. It, it cuts <laughs> after two it cuts and then there's like other people in the ring they just stood up again all of a sudden <laughs> it doesn't even cut to the crowd it just literally cuts and everyone stood up again it's it's quite it's, it's inexcusable to be honest it's absolutely abysmal I think the, the way they actually edited this is like did you ever have anyone who used to record VHS as like proper dodge yeah the two VHS players is, there was no real editing going on there's still like two VHS's just alright pause it pause it okay record the match ends when Henry O'Godwin uses the slop drop the reverse DD yeah. So, I mean, who calls a finisher the slop drop? A man whose initials spell out hog. Henry O. Godwin. Fuck. Do you know the other sake. one? Henry O. Godwin, yeah. And then Phineas I. Godwin. That spells pig. Pig and hog. It's, uh, it's real smart. Carry on. And carry on, we will. <laughs> this is an effort, isn't it? <laughs> Billy, I hope, you're sat in, I, I hope you're sat at home right now comfortable in the fact that you didn't have to watch this garbage with us. I'll get you back for this, Billy Keeble. Mark Merrow taking on uh, Bradshaw now. Okay, this ought to be good. Um, you know, Mark Merrow I mean, coming out with Sable. So yeah, yeah Bradshaw's Mar- good. Bradshaw's good. This is before Bradshaw was getting his kind of semi-push. He yeah. is. He's fat. He's quite fat. This here. is the first time we notice in this ma- in this pay per view, isn't it? That uh, a lot of people are fat here, and I've got a. <laughs> now again, we're gentlemen of carriage. We've mentioned this before. No, 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 we're, no, not- we're not having a go. It's just an observation. There is an awful lot of wrestlers here who, and this is the weird part: is that WrestleMania, none of these guys look that fat. But suddenly, <laughs> four here, days later, four days later, we got people like Bradshaw looks fat. Um, Kane looks fast. Gold Dust looks enormous. Kane. We have D'Lo Brown's put on a load of weight. All Undertaker of sudden, looks. Undertaker looks like a house. Uh, right. All I'm saying is, I'm getting my theory is here that it's sort of like the post WrestleMania holiday extra pounds they've got on. You know, right. like, around the holidays, everyone puts on a little bit of weight. And WrestleMania is obviously a very big time of the year for wrestlers. So, so afterwards, they've obviously had like a lot of turkey and stuffing and whatnot. <laughs> And they've come to England just to sort of rest it all off, which is why uh, Unforgiven they weren't in this shape. They weren't in this shape. That makes perfect. Being I, genuine for a second, I have literally no idea why these people are so fat after four days. I, I, is it like they say the camera, like if it's a shit camera, it just makes you look uh, fat? That, that is genuinely, a, yeah. That is could that be like it. a thing? Because these cameras are fucking awful. And also so. really unflattering camera angles. Mm. I mean, right? If you've got Bradshaw and he's putting, you know, uh, he's putting Mark Merrow in a sleeper hold, and you shoot it so you're looking up from his thighs up his gut. Right. 
right into his gut. Yeah. And his tits just like eclipse. You can barely see his face over the top of his mound of flesh. Yeah. It. He's going to look fat. Like, Yeah, I'd never considered that. I think it is down to a lot of the camera work. We get a recap of Sable's time being spent in the UK. Sable's entrance with marvelous Mark Miro rocked the Manchester Arena as her celebrated status was never more evident during her entire stay in England. Constantly in the harsh glare of the British spotlight, Sable constantly made time for all her fans. As her international popularity continues to grow even sore, so too does everyone's respect and admiration for her. Everyone, that is, except marvelous Mark Miro. <laughs> this is like the only actual, like, segment they have in the entire night. And it's like, literally, like, Mark Merrill's coming out and they're like, yeah, never mind the entrance. Here's <laughs> here's what Sable was doing this afternoon when she was walking around. And they, they show her, like, you know, with all their fans. Getting off a bus. And the sick and the elderly. Yeah, and Michael being a human. Michael Cole basically says that Sable, she made time for everyone, despite being, and I quote, in the harsh glare of the British spotlight. She's like Princess Diana. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Seriously, they're making her out yeah. like she's like this slatter day saint. harsh glare of the British spotlight, is it? Yeah. Because that's a thing. That's totally a thing. You know, when all these people in America who are big celebrities and everything, they go over to England and they're suddenly like, whoa, hang on a second, this is a little bit much. You know, yeah. the British spotlight is a big fucking deal. Oh, yeah. The, the harsh glare of the British spotlight. Fuck's sake. Oh, just as a, as a question, you know, you know as, a, as, a, as a British man, you've lived in England all your life. Yes. Yeah. Uh, how do you sleep at night? <laughs> Um, taking delicate flowers like sable and burning them in the in the harsh light of your uh, of your of your spotlight. I don't know what to tell you. These divas come over and just we're animals. What can I say? Sable, she is like a candle in the wind that wants a big check. Back to ringside. Oh, sorry. And the closing line of that one is the thing about Sable, guys, is that the more she is loved, the more she is respected. Fucking hell! That's not true in that the Michael and you know it, Michael Cole. Michael Cole, you <laughs> the disingenuous... The statement I've ever heard. It makes no sense. And the best thing is, they show us this little little, little promo, and Bradshaw comes out, and then as soon as this happens, Meryl throws Sable backstage. Yeah, so she's gone. Again. Straight back on the plane back to America, away you, from that harsh glare. You British people and Mark Merrill, you're all alike. You all hate Sable because you love her. We didn't us. know what we had. We you, ruined it. You love and respect her too much. I sorry, I, I can't believe that. I literally just because we've had to admit as much as we don't like Sable on the podcast. She was popular. She was loved, but no way in hell was she respected. Especially not the more she was loved, the more she was. Uh, sorry, let's. I, I actually read it, a, a and in researching this, I, I read a fan report about this, uh, like a guy who had just written on an Angel Fire site back in the right. day. His experiences, like Sable comes out, her tits got a big pop. Come on. So you know that is sums maybe up. sums up the, the fans of the time. You know we could talk about it for hours. Yeah, they're fucking creeps. Bradshaw, Mero. They have an edited match. Goes on for about 30 seconds, I Literally think. about 30 seconds. Yeah. And uh, Meryl tries to pick up Fat Bradshaw. He tries to pick up Coleslaw for the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he tries to pick up Coleslaw for the uh, for the TKO, but he turns around and he hits the clothesline from hell. The match is over, but the buffet has only begun. Come on. Um, so, yeah, Bradshaw wins. Which is kind of odd, because Meryl was still... He hadn't been... Demasculated yet? Uh, yeah, you know. he was still meant to be a serious contender. Yeah, and Bradshaw wasn't really around at all. Just beats maybe him. he put up a good fight. We wouldn't know because we only saw thirty seconds of the fucking match. Uh, moving on, we get The Rock and D'Lo Brown representing the nation of domination. Nation of domination. D'Lo, as we mentioned, looking 
particularly pear-shaped here. Well, not only that, but he's also wearing a t-shirt for yeah. some reason. <laughs> Instead of wearing his usual, you know, his, uh, what do you call it's it? It's a singlet, like. It's a, it's yeah. a singlet, isn't it? Yeah. Like a vest part on the yeah. top. Uh, no, just a t-shirt. And he looks proper, like... Again, just not making the effort, I think. Just coming out in a t-shirt, like it's no big deal. He does look like a hundred pounds of shit in a 50 pound bag. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, taking on the dream team now, we've got Rock and Dilo taking on the dream team of Ken Shamrock and Owen Hart. Which uh, I'd say I was quite impressed to see this pairing. I love Owen. Uh, Owen, although, is wearing his uh, heel wrestling attire. He's wearing his uh, two-time Slammy Award winner. Again, I think this is very much a case of people just pack their cases, grab the first thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But in fairness, this is actually, you know, four really good guys in one match. Mm. So it should be good. This is a match which... It doesn't get edited quite as harshly as some of the other ones. No, we get a good bulk of it. We get we get around you know nearly ten minutes of this thing, which is which is pretty decent. And the match starts off, and you can really get that um, house show vibe from it because the match starts off with Ken Shamrock going into the crowd and picking up a sign that oh, says yeah. "Rocky sucks Val Venus." Now the the first Val promo had literally just played on the night before on Raw. Did you catch the Oscars? Jack went home with the prize again. But Mr. Nicholson, you have nothing on Val Venus. In my latest film entitled As Hard As It Gets, (laughs) ladies, let's just say I really rise to the occasion on this one. Ladies, when I get up for a roll, I never come down. It's all work. And hey, maybe a little bit of play. But hey, somebody's got to do it. And ladies, when Val Venus enters the World Wrestling Federation, <laughs> let's just say it'll be a scream. <laughs> People were already picking up from that. So I thought it was pretty awesome that, yeah. like, because Venus didn't debut for, uh, for a few more weeks after this, so it was automatically, you could tell they were onto a, a winner there. Yeah. But again, it's very much uh, house show shenanigans. You always get this at house shows, which is, they do, like, goofy stuff, which... Interact with the fans a bit more, and yeah, it, yeah, it's stuff which they can kill time, not take bumps, make the crowd kind of happy. They do it the same way to get heat. A friend of mine went to see uh, the wrestling in Dublin mm-hmm. in two thousand five. Uh, Bradshaw came out to the uh, Rovers theme, which is a famous Irish soccer anthem, and then proceeded to do uh, elbow drops on the Irish flag. <laughs> Jesus. Elbow drops on the Irish flag. You can't be doing that, Brad. And then Kurt Angle came out and they took turns doing elbow drops. Oh my god, the, uh... did someone stop them? No, actually. There was no face. Oh, actually, no, I do believe uh, Chris Benoit did come out at one point in the night, claimed that he was going to beat whoever's ass, and then afterwards he was going to have a pint of Guinness. We got so sidetracked, we'd rather talk about this, you know, your friend's memory of seeing wrestling in Ireland than talk about this heap of shit. Well, no, I suppose I was just trying to maybe, you know, mention the, uh, the light hearted side of these matches that you get. Yeah. But I mean, what are you going to do? Camera awful in this again yeah because I can tell this is a really good match this is our first kind of like proper tag match that we're getting to see for a length of time and we're getting constantly the hard camera if you could even call it that is just like a guy standing right behind whoever's tagged out yeah you're looking over their shoulder like what you'll get is like two thirds of the shot will be Ken Shamrock 
like just his shoulders from behind and then the rest of the shot you can just see the wrestling going on in the background in like the little corner of the screen it's absolutely absurd it's got this weird like diagonal shot which you never yeah. get like you see the ring like as a diamond shape it's just some peculiar. intern I think trying to be creative or something possibly but uh, it's really off-putting because I know the, I know for a fact this this is bound to be a good match these are four good guys and you know it's in England it's going to be a good show but yeah. I really couldn't enjoy it just because of the presentation it's so distracting and again because we because of the presentation and also uh, because of the, um, the the cuts and so we get to see a bit more of this but any time you cut you automatically kill the psychology in the match because if someone's in an arrest hold I mean beaten down then you cut and that guy's okay now yeah it just uh, yeah I think they actually cut out a hot tag at one point in this they did no yeah. actually they did um, it was it was very very strange they it's it completely throws the pacing of the match so I'm pretty sure they did have a good match because you can see bits of a good match in here yeah but again it's just impossible to, uh, to actually watch favourite moment of this though is uh, it's a botchamania worthy moment if there was one uh, <laughs> it's uh, Ken Shamrock is doing this thing where he's like beating up D'Lo D'Lo mm-hmm. takes an absolute ass whooping in this match The Rock is kind of trying to staying keep, out of it staying out much. of it which is yeah. funny Shamrock is doing this thing where he's beating up D'Lo and he's kind of like taunting like oh you know you want to get a tag and he's like holding out D'Lo's hand oh yeah but he goes into Own Hart's corner and he's like asking if Own wants to tag D'Lo and, D- and Own's just like haha what What are you talking about man and then like <laughs> Shamrock smiles and kind of slowly floats back into the centre of the ring and right here the Rockets goes ring over here tag me you dumbass <laughs> uh, which, which made me laugh like, poor no Ken much. Uh, Rock and Shamrock brawl through the crowd a la WrestleMania 14, which I like because, I mean, obviously they were playing mm, off the... You say brawl through the crowd. They sort of go into well, the crowd the ramp and, and then come that. back down again immediately when they get into the crowd. Yeah. It doesn't last long. Uh, you miss half the spots again. Yeah, again, we really just don't see much of this match. We see the finish. Yeah, D'Lo uh, gets his ass whooped by Shamrock. Shamrock uh, hits a hurricane run on D'Lo and then just goes straight into the uh, armbar takedown. Ankle lock. Team Shamhart wins. And then as Shamrock stands up to celebrate, he stands up and does his big scream, and the camera is very quick to zoom in on his right hand. Just just his hand is in shot. Absolutely shoddy. Seriously. It's like kind of if someone scores a goal and someone is like videoing it, like they're videoing like their son's soccer game. Yeah. And he scores a goal, I'm like, oh my god, he won! Ah! You know, zoom in and out, like, you Do you know. that's what it is? The guys, I think the, the guys so. operating the cameras didn't know the results, so they're like, oh shit, Shamrock won! No, it's only Ken Shamrock's mum who's got it. <laughs> Wait till she tells everyone in, in church about Ken's big winner. <laughs> Mayhem in Manchester, or as it's also known, Lunacy in Lincoln, or as it's also known, Abs in Aberdeen, or as it's also known, Incident in Islington, or as it's also known for the Irish amongst you, Madness in Mullingar, or as it's also known, Naughty Norwich, or as it's also known, Midcard in Manchester. Do you feel better now? I've a guy on my system. Yeah, you're I'm, good. I'm all good. Let's Ready move on. on. Yeah. Oh, th- this match now, when I saw this written down, I thought it'd be good. B- Billy actually saw the uh, the card for this, and he was like, "Oh, this looks like it would be yeah. good." And again, I don't think I've ever seen these two square off before. It's Cactus Jack taking on the artist formerly known as Goldust, Dustin Reynolds, uh, who's also accompanied by Luna. Um, this is one of the last appearances of Cactus Jack, I think, until two thousand. Um, yeah, because he goes straight into the doodle of mankind business after this, doesn't he? So. Uh, yeah, well, he kind of he comes out and he says he doesn't want to be Cactus Jack anymore. The following week, yeah. And uh, you know, then he becomes Vince. You know, gets to become Doodlove and whatnot. He would appear as cameo appearances as Cactus Jack now and then, but this is kind of the last appearance of Cactus Jack as a regular 
uh, featured performers. Yeah. So I love the Cactus Jack gimmick. It's great. I don't think we've got a chance to talk about it. No, we, we, um, we haven't actually had a chance to mention it on the uh, normal podcast, have we? Yeah, Vince McMahon didn't want Cactus Jack in WWF for ages because he thought the character was sleazy. 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 <laughs> Vince McMahon. Yeah, I know. Jesus. The man who's got a boat called the Sexy Bitch thought Cactus no, Jack. No, he does. <laughs> they, uh, it was actually one of the things that uh, really hurt Linda while she was doing her campaign is oh, that they got pictures of the sexy bitch. No. Should call the Stugats, like Tony Soprano. But anyway, Luna is, you know, screaming quite a bit in the early goings of the match, and Michael Cole says, apparently, Luna was trying to get on one of the BBC channels with her singing voice. Nah, no she wasn't, Michael. What are you talking about? That's not funny. Uh, According to fan reports, we don't get to see this on the VHS series, but according to fan reports I read, um, apparently these two got into a back-and-forth slagging match on the microphones. Who, Luna and... Uh, No, Foley and and, and and Goldust, where they traded British-themed insults, and apparently it was awkward as shit really because Foley can't do an English accent and he's like what's the matter Gubiner oh god thank god that wasn't <laughs> he, on the he, actually he did try and do an English voice on William Regal once and he just sounded like a pirate but what I can do is make an appeal to your your British manhood hey matey what's the matter governor knees a little wobbly eh Afraid to tangle it up with the Olympic champion Kurt Angle? <laughs> so apparently he's meant to be awkward as shit. I'd kill to see footage of that. But anyway, uh, Goldust is fat as well here. It should be pointed out. Actually, sorry, you're just saying kill to see footage of that. If anyone listening to this knows where we can find like the some full? sort of other release of this, please let us know because... Not that I'm actually desperate to watch it again. I just I'd be intrigued because all we can find is this one-hour highlights package. The one hour is very easy to find, but anything other than that, I've like... You know, it's impossible, yeah. It's impossible. This is all that exists. Fan reports is really all we, we have to go on. Mick Foley, is, sorry, Cactus Jack, is said by uh, Michael Cole to have had his career shrouded in barbed wire. What are you talking it's, about? Almost making being with his kids really hard, isn't it? Like, Seriously, what is Michael Cole on about all night here? He's just making shit up. Uh, now veiled criticism at Badly Made Podcasts. <laughs> the audience sounds like it's Skyping in with the rock band microphone. <laughs> hey Oh, he went there. Uh, Goldust dominates most of this match. We get the uh, cactus clothesline, which will later go on to be uh, stolen by Diamond Dallas Page. And the double arm DDT, where Luna interferes, and at which point someone lets off a Vuvuzela to let us know that they're not happy with that proceeding right there. Fucking hate Vuvuzelas. Anything. I mean, it's like the British equivalent of the Elhorn, really, isn't it? Ugh. Don't get me started on that shit. Uh, Again, a very awkward finish. They try to go for the Ultimate Warrior Rick Rude uh, finish. Foley picks up Goldust for a suplex. Suplex over the the ring. And uh, Luna grabs his foot. Goldust is meant to kind of fall neatly on top of him. Hold down the foot. One, two, three. It looks awkward and horrible. Yeah, it doesn't fall together nicely. So yeah, um, Cactus Jack loses to Goldust, which is, I mean... (sighs) It's, really, it's, it's a really odd predicament it's obviously. odd yeah. yeah I mean I, I guess because Mick Foley wasn't really over at this time so it's nothing too surprising to see Cactus Jack lose to I, know, I, would, I would say Cactus Jack was one of their top faces at the time outside of Austin I mean I, really? I'd say Cactus Jack Undertaker and Austin would have been the top three faces they had at the time well the booking says otherwise I know again I don't, you don't know what it is because again this entire match is just a setup so that uh, Luna and Sable who comes out can have a uh, have a cat fight yeah. which goes on longer than the fucking match oh yeah seriously they didn't feel the need to edit this oh no they? no keep that in oh you get to see fucking Fuck's Sable sake. screaming it's a Manchester cat fight <laughs> it was the lamest thing ever it was also during this match I noticed 
The lenses are fucking filthy on these cameras. <laughs> yeah, Seriously, they're, they're covered in shit. It's just stains. Scabs and like. Awful. Just wipe it for God's sake. It's the uh, most basic things. I know. It's it's Sorry, really I, is. I, I do feel like I'm talking too much about the production values, not about the wrestling, but this is all that stuck but out no, to you, me. Like, you, I, mean, I was distracted. I'd love to watch the wrestling itself, but I was too distracted by all this garbage going on. If you have a, any semblance of background or you know knowledge about you know video production or anything like that, watching something like this is it, it's, it's impossible. Painful. It's, it's painful. Like pulling teeth. Because if you see something and it's just from an awful camera angle, I mean, people don't realize that wrestling has a very certain style of presentation. It has to be shown a certain way for it to look like it's a proper fucking thing. Well, yeah, but the clever thing about that is people are so used to seeing it, it's transparent, so no one notices the little snap cuts. Mm. And, sorry, the snap zooms when people get slammed or whatever. No one actually notices a presentation. But when you strip it back and it becomes this bad, it's the only thing you can notice because it's so distracting. It makes... It, ma- it actually... It makes... It makes the wrestlers look like hokey. It really makes them look yeah, it like does. they're. It makes them look like they're guys play fighting as opposed to yeah, guys who are working. Yeah, because this just looks a like a cheap show that you yeah. see at some you know shitty indie company, like a fucking carnival or something. Yeah, it's, it's quite bad. Uh, coming up next, geez, I wonder what the finish of this match is going to be. Legion of Doom 2000 taking on the New Age Outlaws in a disqualification match. <laughs> the winner must win by DQ. <laughs> Legion of Doom had literally just, you know, they had their big comeback at WrestleMania, yeah. you know, a couple of days before, and the whole gimmick was that Sonny was with them. And then there's no Sonny! Where is she? There's no Sonny. Legion of Doom 2000 showing up without Sonny is like a fucking going to see your granny and she doesn't even give you a fiver afterwards. <laughs> it's like, could you at least have the fucking decency to, to follow through on what's expected of you? Is she uh, doing drugs or something? Weird going on there. I don't know, but honestly, if, if Sonny gets caught at the border, where's everyone going to get their somas and blowjobs? <laughs> ah. She's full. You just pick up Sonny and give her a shake. It's like <laughs> <laughs> all the clicks just turn around. Huh? <laughs> well, she's got five hundred milligrams of caffeine, so <laughs> it won't, won't Kevin not. Nash. <laughs> Leave Kevin Nash. Well, this we get, match is okay. We get the road dog coming out, doing his, oh, you didn't know stuff. Yeah. Two things. First of all, Michael Cole talks over. He's like, the road dog coming out, being charismatic. Oh, yeah, I, I'll be the road dog here. Yeah. Oh, oh and the road dog know? is coming out here. You know that he's in there for the WWF. That's right, Mike. It's babble. It's absolute babble. It's just a cacophony of noise. You can't make out anything. Again, it's another one of these um, cases of just like a massive oversight. Like for like, you think for a professional, you know, wrestling release that they're gonna like market and make. If you have to make fucking artwork for a thing like this, yeah. you'll, you'll take the time to make sure. How did this make it to video without anyone noticing that? Also, Road Dog looks just fucking out of it. Oh yeah, he is literally gone in this match. He looked like he had a few too many ales before this yeah, one started. Yeah, a lot of deviousness at play here. I think uh, a lot of deviousness uh, at play. So um, he sounds bored. Yeah, to be honest, yeah, Hart not really in it. He's the one going, ah, Michael Cole's going to talk over this anyway. So <laughs> no point even bothering. Uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, we start the match with a big question mark over our head going, will this match have that finish that we saw earlier? Pro- probably. It will. It does. It does have that finish we saw earlier. <laughs> there is a bit of deviousness at play as well. When Billy Gunn is thrown outside the ring, right? Yeah. And again, I don't even think he knows he's being filmed. He's thrown outside the ring, and then he starts doing little push-ups and giggling. Yeah, and then just gets back up again. And he gets back up and rolls back in. Is that his idea of selling or something? I I think this is like, you know, guys always do stupid shit in like, 
you know, uh, house shows and stuff like this. Billy Gunn is actually on top form because at one point Hawk grabs Road Dog and then throws Road Dog headfirst into Billy Gunn's balls. <laughs> and Billy falls to the outside. You can just hear him very loudly go, Ouch! You can't do that! And then gets back up again. <laughs> ouch! I've never heard someone say ouch in wrestling. Pantomime villain. Um, this is basically all, almost exactly the same as they would go on to have it unforgiven, but with significantly fewer bumps, and that's saying something. Yeah. Um, yeah, B.A., when he's hitting the uh, when he's hitting the dick like that, Michael Cole goes, he was hitting the naughty bits, as you would say here in England. Yep, because we can relate to that kind of language. Michael Cole, you big, massive, naughty bit. He has done his research. Yeah. Uh, the cuts in this match get kind of insane. Because the match is long, but there's frequent cuts, It's the, the whole match is like a giant vine. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, uh, we're actually doing some wrestling vines. So if you are on Vine, Attitude Era Podcast, do a search. Have a look. LOD, you can tell, even with the, the, the choppy editing that we got going on here, the LOD are noticeably not selling. Hawk gets punched in the head and continues to stand perfectly still. So I was going to say this is another match where psychology is lost due to editing, but I would say it is probably lost due to the fact the LOD don't yeah. want to sell. There probably wasn't much there in the first place, to be honest with you. Not really. But I mean, it's impossible with tag team matches to tell who's the legal man when it's edited this badly because it's just literally you can cut like like that and there'll be four different guys in the mm. ring all of a sudden. And tag matches mixed up particularly and- way like. Once you, you kind of realise that the, how nearly every WF tie match is built with like, you know, the guy gets worked over, the bills of the hot tag, you know, it, it, once you know that kind of formula, mm. when you see something like this, it's just like you realise that the match is ruined. It's worthless without it, yeah. Completely worthless, absolutely. You need to see the full thing. Definitely. Uh, they go and attempt the Doomsday device on Road Dog, and straight away I'm like, yeah, he's going to take that bump. And uh, you'll never guess what happens. There's only bloody interference in a disqualification finish. Oh. Just like the almanac said at the, <laughs> at the start. Oh no! Now the future is all bad, and Adam's mom has got weird boobs and is married to me, and I have a big casino. Back to the future, innit? Yeah. yeah. Hill Valley's ruined. It's time for Stone Cold Steve Austin. Thank God. Uh, Steve Austin can save this, right? Surely. Steve Austin, who's just won the WWF Championship, making his first defense. Big deal. Austin, yay. Defending against Triple H. Well, not Triple H. Not Triple H. The title card comes up. Austin comes out through a lot of dry eyes, I might add. It's like, it's like top of the pops. <laughs> Austin, Austin comes out through all his dry eyes. And then uh, his opponent is Triple HHH. Triple Triple H. Triple Triple H. H to the power of nine. Nine H is ready for his big match. Of course, we had Quadruple J earlier in the night as well. <laughs> Triple Triple H. How did that make it onto the fucking video? Hunter Hearst, Harold Horatio Hindenburg, Herdy Heisenberg, <laughs> Holy Helmsley. You know what? He's, you know what? I, I have to say, I fucking hate Triple Triple H. Uh, he's, he's a no good politicker. He only had sex with Vince McMahon's three triplet daughters. To, <laughs> <laughs> and he, he buried Y29J. Fuck off. <laughs> he buried him. But ser- seriously, how? How did they get Triple Triple H on the <laughs> fucking release? <laughs> Go on our Twitter, we posted a picture from it. You won't believe it, it's absolutely ridiculous. But the thing is, right, we nearly missed it. Because when the show is so bad and you're so, you're jaded at this point, yeah. and it's shown so plainly with no kind of context, you just you, your brain is off kind of going, eh. I bet yeah, most I, I people. I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, you may have noticed that I went and made toast uh, last night during this, and then went up to get a drink, and then went up to go and close the doors just because I was looking for any excuse not to watch this. Mm. Took the bins out, you know. 
didn't want to watch it, but thankfully I was sat there to discover the triple 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 H. It's kind of weird. I feel bad for triple triple H in this in this spot. We're just going to call him that for the match. Oh now. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel bad for triple triple H in this because uh, this is literally a couple of days after he's done the whole thing where he's relaunched DX, and they've literally just done the first night of the angle where he's brought back X Pac and you know the New Age Outlaws and DX and whatnot, and he's not really in a position to immediately you know like uh, Bray Wyatt he just debuted now yeah. you kind of heal. You won't be putting him in a title match against like John Cena straight yeah, away. Yeah, back for a little. You got You got when your new guy is starting his new deal, you give him a, a couple. You gotta of, set up the faction properly. So yeah, I mean Triple H is kind of in a triple a, Triple H. Triple Triple H is in an unenviable position here. Michael Cole says we all saw Triple Triple H with the uh, with the return of X Pac. It was such an emotional night. He's not here tonight. That is actually what he says. <laughs> He's not here tonight. Just thought I'd bring him up anyway. Remind you he exists. And we get this all the commentary. I mean, it's forgettable for most of the night because they're just, you know, narrating really what they're seeing. But they get into this awful thing where they're like, oh, you know, Michael Cole, if Stone Cold Steve Austin hits the Stone Cold Stunner, it'll be all over. Yeah, we talked about And this. then he's like, hey, but if Triple Triple H hits the pedigree, it'll be lights out for Stone, you know. Oh. It's the lamest sounding thing. It's like, ooh, which guy's going to hit his finisher It's first? weird. It oh. makes it sound like Pokemon or something to me. Yeah. It makes it sound really childish. Oh, he's going to hit his special move. Oh, uh, Triple H move is burial type, mate. He's going <laughs> to win. It's just, yeah, it's a name babble, which you won't even get in a SmackDown game. But uh, match itself, actually, is pretty decent. They are yeah, the it's not bad. first not match tonight where they're actually doing a bit of wrestling. Yeah. You know, a bit of back and forth. Austin cuts a good pace um, early on. They go to the outside where you just get... It's really awkward. The crowd are very close to the ring. And at every corner, there is a man in a blue shirt sitting slightly away from the ring. Oh, yeah, the security. The You know how at WWE events you get like guys in yellow shirts as it just stood at the front yeah. row, you know, holding back the fans or whatever. In England, in Mayhem in Manchester, what we get is lots of fat blue, fat men in blue t-shirts just sat next to the barricade. Looking in the opposite direction. Taking up space. Like, the wrestlers actually have to squeeze to get past these guys because they're sat outside the barricade. There is a part where Austin and Triple H are, like, brawling right up against one of these lads. And he's still sitting in his chair going, oh, no, I can't move. Doing his best to look it's, away and make sure he doesn't look at Stone Cold. I'll lose my license if I look at him in the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> what were these men told? Like, were they actually told, don't look at the action? Sit, just... sit down, motherfucker. And stare at the crowd. He wasn't even looking at the crowd. He's looking at the other guy in the other corner. <laughs> Are they doing like some sort of psychic mind meld as like keeping the yeah, ring? Like a force field or something. If, if the four of them aren't there all staring at each other at all times, the ring will just float up into oblivion. <laughs> We get a, a, a quite obvious here is that the ropes are getting are pretty ropey at this point. Anytime they're going off yeah. the ropes, that top rope is literally being held together. It's going to go soon, surely. It really feels like it's it's going to go. Triple Triple H starts working the leg of Austin, which is our first kind of, you know, oh, a bit of psychology. You know, we actually get to see followed through for, for the match. Triple H going over the leg, Austin trying to get some comebacks, but again, strikes to the leg. And China, of course, uh, making her presence known. You know, running, hitting Austin. I like them using China like this. Not like this, I don't. Really? I, I'll, I'll be honest, uh, I, I don't mind China's interference, like, you know, the occasional low blow here and there and everything, but at one point Austin is on the outside, China hits him in the head, and Austin falls down and stays down for a good minute or so. Well, I suppose I China don't... China knocks out Stone Cold Steve Austin, mm-hmm. Kevin. That's not meant to happen. With her weird chicken wing... She does it again later things. on in the match. She hits him again, and he, he stays down. I suppose my point is I prefer when China is kind of like a nuisance that the babyface has to eventually overcome, as opposed to what we were seeing in, say, like King of the Ring, where China just comes in, does a move, and her man wins the wins match. Wins the match for them. You know, I think she's better in this I see what capacity. you're saying, but she shouldn't be knocking out Stone Cold Steve Austin with no that, that is true uh, Triple H locks in the figure four leg lock <laughs> which begins my favourite sequence of swearing in the history of wrestling this is brilliant Triple H using the ropes for leverage oh, 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 oh,
And Austin trying to draw the attention. Boy, the emotion of this championship matchup really coming to light now. He's using the ropes. What? He's using the fucking ropes. Are you using the goddamn ropes? Fuck no. You're using those fucking ropes. Fuck, Fuck off. off. <laughs> Amazing. Now, would that count as a grunt of the night in your mind? Or is no, that literally uh, just verbalizing? That, that's good as well. That's good. But uh, the grunt of the night is coming up in the Kane Undertaker match later on. Okay. So. Uh, Austin hits his comeback. Ref gets KO'd. He stuns China, which is quite a... Yeah, that was cool. Which is quite a, quite a thing to see. And he stuns Triple H twice. And we get a three count, but it's actually missed due to the camera. Yeah, because the camera cuts away during the winning pinfall. <laughs> Seriously! <laughs> one, two, right. <laughs> I'm going to go out and assume here, you know, you've got multiple cameras set up in one arena. Surely they kept the tape from each camera. What Literally, what is the purpose of cutting away during the winning pinfall? Yeah, because they have the footage from the one angle they were using. It's true, and if it was the case that it was just the one camera, and they're kind of like, well, this is what we got, lads. Yeah. But they actually made the conscious effort to go, all right, three count coming up, cut away. If it was a video release of a live broadcast and, you know, they accidentally cut to the wrong camera yeah. and they can't go back and change that. But it wasn't. It's a pre-taped show. They have the tapes. They, they actually have this footage. They actually sat on the footage for, like, a good, like, four or five months before it was actually commercially released. And then someone had to sit down in the editing room and then watch through this with the editor and go, yeah, that's good. I like that. And we get Put a, it on tape. A really, you know, the diagonal weird camera angle again after Austin wins. And we just get to see a very, very bored and sad looking Gerald Briscoe <laughs> yeah. sitting beside Tony Chimmer looks actually quite proud yeah Chimmel's having a great time I think he's, he's yeah, delighted yeah there's no fink around tonight or anything so it's all Chimmel as Austin's walking to the back Michael Cole says he'll have a pint of ale tonight no he won't and Austin apparently from the fan reports I read uh, from two separate people I heard this Austin apparently got on the house mic and says let's all go across the road and get a beer and apparently like 40 or 50 people actually left the building oh my god I went across the ring and they were like where's Austin <laughs> he said he was coming I came back and missed the main event <laughs> In fairness Never go for a hypothetical beer with Steve Austin is all I'm saying lads I don't know I'd rather be going for a hypothetical beer with Steve Austin Than watch the next match if I'm totally honest Here You know what, it's, you know what it is now It's time for the main event It is the rematch of the century Do you remember the war these two had at Wrestlemania 14? Yeah It was like a match And we talked about it at length In our, in our first episode of Wrestlemania 14 We talked about it at length About just the, the war this match was It was, these it was two, amazing to see these two, two men fight. monsters fighting You know It was a match that went on I'd say nearly 30 minutes So many kickouts They both looked amazing in it didn't they? Oh they my looked god fantastic They looked larger match. than life Unbelievable it Is Kane versus The Undertaker In a rematch of the century that lasts 3 minutes and 30 seconds. And Undertaker comes out wearing a bin bag. It's, <laughs> a it, bin bag? It, it, well, it looks like this, it's this big, baggy, shitty version of what would later become his American Badass outfit, isn't it? He's not He's not wearing the Phenom gear, basically. No, he's not. No. He's wearing this sort of loose, black, sleeveless he's shirt. He's wearing his, his, his grey, kind of sleeveless biker shirt. It's basically yeah. you know, his exact uh, American, American Badass, Badass one, yeah. And he's wearing a pair of, like, of black denim jeans. But it doesn't look like the Undertaker because the clothes don't even fit him. They're all loose and baggy. So well, looks... they're not ring clothes, are they? Yeah, but he looks like Midian, is what I'm saying. He just looks like he's all <laughs> no, he doesn't. A Midian that's just got out of bed or something and then just decided to stroll. Well, he's got he's got nothing. He hasn't got his makeup. You know, he hasn't got any of his. You know, his, his... When he comes out, he gets attacked by the DX straight away. And now again, this makes no sense because these two aren't feuding, and I don't think yeah. they, they ever do feud in the in the attitude. I don't era. get it. I think it was just a case of they didn't want to have him do the slow walkout and do the lights up best like, like this. Yeah. Now, I was very befuddled by this, because, I mean, it's so glaringly obvious, and it's in the main event as well. I was like, surely K-Squared or Mickey C are going to tell us 
Where's his uniform? What's going on? Yeah. Why is he decided for the fans not to? I mean, because I mean, if I was a fan, I mean, you know, if I was a kid, at the time if I went to see this, I would have been like what nine years old. Yeah, and Undertaker was one of my favorites. You know, I had the action figure, da da da, and I'd seen the pay per view WrestleMania. If I went to see this, right, and Undertaker came out dressed like that, I'm not kidding. I actually would have started crying and asked my you parents. You probably would do. He doesn't I do his entrance. He doesn't get to do any of his badass stuff. He looks completely. He looks like a guy. He just looks like. Can some you imagine dude. how many kids were like complaining to them? How many parents were like, for fuck's sake, like yeah. you know, where's the Undertaker? Where, you know, Who is this? Uh, who's this guy? And actually, apparently, you now according to fan there was a lot of rumblings in the arena that it wasn't The Undertaker. Oh, seriously? They're like, who is this guy? <laughs> why is he? Co- why is one of the Godwins come out to wrestle the main, <laughs> the main event? Now, apparently what happened, the, the, the story goes, was that Undertaker, his, his uh, bag was lost uh, oh, when he was I coming see. over. The one thing I'll say to that, though, is the old-timey, I'm talking... 1970s Memphis, you know, gargle your shot of whiskey before you drink it. Old time veteran type mentality is that you never check your gear on a plane because you never know what's going to happen. You always bring it in your carry on luggage. Oh, really? So, for a salty veteran, it seems like a bit of a rookie mistake for The Undertaker. But the match is killed because of it. Well, the match is killed anyway. Even if he was wearing his normal gear, it only goes on for like, what do you say, three or four minutes? Three, three minutes, 30 seconds. Yeah. Well, at 52 minutes and 40 seconds into the pay per view, we do get our grunt of the night. Uh, <laughs> It's not a grunt so much uh, as Kane gargling mouthwash underneath his mask. You get a little sequence of move where Kane's just constantly like hitting the Undertaker really loudly going <laughs> Taker's body broken and battered. His spirit's still strong, however. It is kind of sad to see. So close to WrestleMania. It's so hard to see this. Particularly Bear. I mean, Paul Bear's hair isn't even combed. His hair's all fucking yeah. roughly up. I think they just got off the plane. And, and he literally he literally looks straight into the camera, Paul Bear, and goes, Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's all over for the dead man. I'm glad Billy didn't see this, because he's been, you know, always been yeah, really he, high on Paul Bear. Yeah, he'd have been really upset to see that. And to see Paul Bear go from this, like, you know, scary kind of, you know, uh, kind of comment on like you know uh, uh, born again Christian preachers kind yeah. of which is what he was all fire and brimstone all this stuff and to see him just become this kind of like this pantomime character fat pantomime yeah. puppet like it just Taker gets referred to as being a spiritual mysterious entity despite doesn't the fact, look like it despite the fact that he looks like he's a roadie for uh, <laughs> for Metallica <laughs> for yeah during the dark years like he doesn't work like he's he's dressed as well he's trying to do all those Undertaker spots but he's like you know it's not the same it's really, really off. He just hits a choke slam on Kane out of nowhere. And Kane sits it. up, tombstone, one, two, three. Yeah. That is it. Kane, who took, what, three tombstones at WrestleMania? Three tombstones it took to defeat Kane at WrestleMania. And this, after the third tombstone, he, he kicked out up. straight yeah. away and he bet up Undertaker afterwards. I mean, if I had seen this before I saw, like, you know, because the, these two would have matches again, you know, several more papers. Yeah. In fact, they're going to have a match straight at, away, unforgiven. at uh, Judgment Day as well, which is one of the next episodes. It's like. To see this, it's kind of like Kane is, looks like a bitch. Yeah. Complete he, he bitch. He gets absolutely destroyed. Within three minutes, Kane loses to Undertaker clean. Yeah. It's absurd. I mean, but it is worth it just for at the end, you know, Undertaker's cleared house and the ring's empty and he's stood in the ring by himself. <laughs> oh, God. We get this one horrible, lonely, sad shot of Undertaker just buttoning his shirt back up <laughs> where his belly had started to hang out. And he's just stood in the middle of the ring looking down, slowly buttoning his shirt up like this really sad man. <laughs> the fuck is that? <laughs> That fucking chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Undertaker's there, buttoned up his shirt, looking just kind of. His hair isn't even wetted. He just looks like a sad, tired biker. Yeah. And then he sits down. He does the. Uh, he does you know, the, oh, the, the yeah. pose. He does the, the little uh, the bow that he does, doesn't he? Yeah. With the lighting. It looks like your fun uncle is doing. Oh, <laughs> this is what the Undertaker does, Kevin, isn't it? Like, mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fucking hell. 
four minutes long, not 20 minutes as Wikipedia. Wikipedia actually says that this match was 20 minutes long. Really? And I thought we had just seen this really sliced down version. Right. But, I mean, reading into it and from fan reports, no, this is actually what they got. Well, yeah, because this is barely edited, actually. This is the only no, match this... on the, the card that isn't edited at all, I think. Yeah, it was, it was very strange. Very, very strange. I mean, I suppose it's like... Maybe it was just a case that they were running over, or Undertaker's like, I don't want to work a long match because I'm dressed like a fucking yeah, spa. I get the feeling that's what it was. Uh, Taker lays out Bear at the end of a pay per view, and the camera zooms right up on Bear as he's selling, and you can just hear him spluttering and coughing. Oh, it's really fucking graphic and horrible. Yeah, well, oh, it's un- <laughs> unsettling. Yeah. End of pay per view on a man dying. <laughs> like, so that's it. That is it. That's it. I mean, so for all the out there who are like, oh, do do all the English shows, you get the podcast you deserve. <laughs> Seriously, um, you asked for this. You asked for this. Here it is. I mean, I suppose we'll get through the other ones, but again, I mean, the reason we're doing this is because, you know, uh, it, it happened right after WrestleMania 14, which is our starting point. Yeah. And again, a lot of our criticisms, people can kind of go, oh, you know, guys, it was just a house show. That's all just you know, how house show wrestling is done. I accept that, but it was a commercial release. And if you look at this video, you look like you're going to see the greatest fucking wrestling show yeah. ever. You look like you're going to see like a one night only or, or something like that. It's made out to be this big spectacular experience in, in England, like you know, this, this one off. Twenty thousand fans there. Really? You, you, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. It, no, honestly, the, the ECW arena was lit, lit better than this. Yeah. It, it looks like really minor league, and it's just odd. I mean, I suppose it's kind of it's forgotten about in many ways, mainly because like it's a real black mark on the start of a really yeah. big hot streak. Who wants to remember it? But there you go. That is it. Um, we think... match of the night MVP. Oh fuck off! I mean, <laughs> none of these are matches, Kevin. They're all just highlight packages. What nah, I, I don't think it would be fair to do a match of the night. It, it would be MVP. against the, the rules of the. Uh, yeah, it would ruin it. So, what's your final thoughts of the pay per view then? Well, I think the person that can best sum this up is Vince McMahon. Well, I would suggest that. You're probably setting yourselves up for one great, big disappointment. (laughs) That should come to no surprise to the vast majority of you because I would suggest that your entire lives have been a symphony of disappointments. (laughs) Right, they live in Pittsburgh for one. Well, well, well said. Yeah, well, well said. Then. I agree wholeheartedly. Well, that's going to do it for this bonus episode of the Attitude Era podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening on iTunes or on Stitcher Radio. And you can listen to us on SoundCloud as well. Main place to check out all the new Attitude Era podcast stuff, botchamania.com. All our stuff is going to be going up there from now on. And, of course, as always, you can follow us on Twitter, Adam, which is... At AE Podcast. Or Facebook.com forward slash... Attitude Era Podcast. You can also find us on Vine, as we mentioned. And also, check out our YouTube channel. We put up little stings, teasers, goofs, and gaffs. Uh, uh, we, we mentioned before as well, you know, um, Brawl for All. Now, I mean, the, half, the reason why it's, 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 it's hard for us just to go and re-record was because Billy didn't even know what Brawl for All was when we sat down to watch it. So and we'd lose that reaction. All exactly. Over the, the actual, what we recorded was literally his immediate reaction to what he saw. We watched it and then went straight to recording. Didn't yeah, we? and that was kind of... The fact that Billy didn't know what Brawl for All was was kind of you know, the major selling point on it for, for us. Uh, so, I mean, this is a complete stab in the dark. We've had people have a look at it and say it's, it's no good or whatever. But on the off chance that you reckon yourself as some class of audio expert or knows how to work with uh, audio files and you think you might be able to help us out, shoot us a message on Facebook or Twitter and you might be able to help us out but that's going to do it for us now bye from me Kevin and bye from me let's never talk of this again and uh, bye from Billy Keeble who's fully absent he's going to love the fact you don't have to sit through this shit isn't he? 
son of a bitch, Billy Keeper. I'm gonna get you back for this. Hey, we should just, you know what we can do now that Billy's not here? Road Dog, he's fucking awesome. We're gonna go talk about Road Dog. Alright, bye. Explain to us why you've chosen the DOA. When you have an old horse, there is two things that you can do. You can either kill it... ...or get rid of it. I am Mr.com. They are twins. Look at them, Jim. Look at them, Jim. They are twins. They are twins. Look at them, Jim. One mind. Where was you with that? One mind. My new tag team is DRA. Where was you with that? Will you explain to us why you've chosen the DOA? My new tag team is. Where was you with that? My new tag team is. Where was you with that? My new tag team. They are twins. Look at them, Jim. They are twins. Or get rid of this. Era of the web. I am Mr. Dot Com.